0: Welcome to another episode of the Press Coverage Podcast. I am your host for my NFL and AFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. Uh, if you're not following me on Twitter already, at Eric underscore Crocker, give me a follow. Um, also follow the Press Coverage Podcast account, at Press Cuff Podcast. Tons of DB and receiver content, tons of interaction with a, a bunch of coaches and players. I mean, I, I have a great time just kind of responding to everybody and, uh, you know, I had Terrell Thomas uh, commenting on there, you know, just giving his input. And it's pretty cool just to kind of be able to interact with everybody via Twitter. Uh, Twitter is a, it's an amazing place <laughs> for, for good and bad, right? Um, but, yeah, the, the, this chick, you know, she reached out to me and she was like, man, you're, you're everywhere. And, and anybody knows me, any, anytime I have a chance to talk some football, um, I'm going to do it. So, you know, I'm, I I have the Forty ers podcast with uh, Striking Gold with Kevin Jones and Rob Lauder. Um, you know, I've been a uh, guest on numerous shows, whether it's 95.7 The Game, a, a local barrier radio station that covers the Niners and different barrier sports. Um, I've been on a, a podcast for the Panthers, uh, the Colts. Um, anytime anybody hits me up and asks me to come on the podcast, man, I'm on it. And I just love talking football, right? So, um, these podcasts, these radio shows, they give me a chance to do that. My wife gets tired of it, but. No, I have a lot of fun with it. But anyways, man, um, let's get into this podcast. And today I want to talk about a few different things. The first thing is the best free agents still available. All right. So th- th- there's one guy that's still out there. And, you know, again, I talked about the power of Twitter. Right. Uh, you know, I meet different people. And my guy, Will Blackman, I met Will Blackman. We interact a lot via phone calls, text messages or whatever. But we met through Through Twitter, and I text Will, and I said, "Hey, Will, Eric Berry, why is this dude still a free agent?" And he said, "You know what, man? That's a good question. Let me get back to you on that." All right, so um, Eric Berry, you know, yeah, he's had the injuries and stuff like that, but I'd have to say that he still has to be valuable, right? I mean, dude was a big time playmaker, uh, just a big time safety. And I know that injuries kind of take a toll on guys sometimes, but for him to not be on the team this kind of late, it kind of reminds me of the Eric Reid situation, which I think we know was a little different because of some of the things that he had going on. But, yeah, Eric Berry, still available. So that that's my number one best available free agent. The other one is Morris Claiborne, right, former Cowboy, former Jet. I think he, he's still young. It's not like this dude is old. Uh, When I watch him on the Jets, I'm not saying he's just like the best shutdown corner or anything out there. But I think he's better than not being on any roster to this point. I mean, look, we we see Orlando Scandrick and he's getting signed. And, you know, I think he just got signed to like the Philadelphia Eagles or something like that. If Scandrick can get signed, I feel like Claiborne should be in somebody's camp. All right. So that's number two. And then another, uh, the third and final best available for agent is Muhammad Wilkerson. And, damn, Big Mo. I remember being in the locker room with Big Mo. But Big Mo, you, he he was on the Packers, and when he signed with the Packers, it was like, damn, they signed Muhammad Wilkerson. And I just don't think he had that big of a year. But as far as talent and somebody that can be either a starter or a good depth piece, you would think that he would be in somebody's camp. Now I can't imagine the season start week one comes and Big Mo is just not in anyone's on anyone's roster. I, I I'd be blown away, and and I don't want to just you know go off of the past of who he used to be. I think a lot of people do that, but I think he's still a talented big man. Um, I I'd be interested to see or ask some Packer people why is this guy not in the camp? All right, so the best free agent still available, Eric Berry. Morris Claiborne, Muhammad Worrisen, and uh, I want to go from there and and go over to the biggest low risk slash high reward gambles out there. All right, so these are guys that are still available, low risk, high reward, and obviously the head of that is Eric Berry, right? Because now, like, I'm pretty sure you can get away with paying him pretty much nothing, right? Giving him a low uh, veteran type contract, get him in. Make him prove himself. And and if he's balling, all right, just re-sign him. Again, we saw the Panthers do that with Eric Reed, where, you know, Eric Reed, you know, came in late, uh, maybe like week three, week four, one-year contract, played well, boom. They extended him. um, I want to say give him like a three-year contract. I don't know how much is guaranteed. And really, that's all that matters, the guaranteed number. But um, yeah, they extended him quickly. And, you know, he's playing well. He's on the team. I could see the same thing happening for Eric Berry. Get a little one-year vet minimum type contract, like a million dollars. He comes in, he does well, and boom, uh, he gets a contract extension. I I think some of the times, I I, want to say after a certain amount of years, if you sign a veteran, once week one comes, I I think that contract is guaranteed. Is, Is that how it happens? It's something like that. Like, once week one comes, like, if you sign Eric Berry and he gets to week one, that contract is guaranteed for the full year. So I think sometimes that, too, is why they're a little hesitant sometimes to kind of sign these um, veteran free agents and, you know, just see what they have with their young guys. And I can't imagine, it. it you know, again, I said the same thing about Big Mo, but Eric Berry, I, I can't imagine Berry being still a free agent by, like, week four. I'd be really surprised. Uh, so that was the first of the you know low risk, high reward gambles out there. The second one is a guy. I don't think I've heard his name mentioned at all. And and that's Des Bryant. And I, Des Bryant, uh, he's coming off of the Achilles injury. I don't even know if he's still healthy, but it, it, it or if he's healthy. But if he is, I think he kind of got a bad rap for for whatever reason. I mean. They were saying he was declining. He wasn't playing as well. I'll say this about Des Bryant. Bad Des Bryant was still almost 900 yards, and he still can give you touchdowns. So there are a lot of teams. I mean, you know me. I, I follow the 49ers closely, uh, being a 49er fan. The 49ers leading out uh, wide receiver or receiver target not named George Kittle had less than 500 yards. Des Bryant on a down year was close to 900. So it's like you would think that there's a a place for him because there's still talent there. He still wins and he wins his way, which is more contested catch type stuff. But you need that dog. You need that dog. And, and, and I know the Saints tried to bring him in last year and kind of, you know, utilize him probably to that skill set and have somebody opposite Michael Thomas because they have nobody opposite Thomas. Um and Des got hurt, so he he's a low risk, high reward guy. Where I think if you bring him in now, or in a few weeks, or middle of you know uh, uh, the season, let him work work his way in, so he doesn't rupture his Achilles again. But I think he can help a team that's pushing for a playoff uh, spot. And uh, my third and final biggest low risk, high reward gamble out there is Martavius Bryant. So they the Bryant. I don't know what's going on with him. Um, I know, you know, with the Steelers, he was a deep threat, and then he had the issues with uh, Juju coming in and kind of taking that number two role. Got traded to the Raiders, and the Raiders gave up, like, a third-round pick for him. And and then they, like, cut him. So for someone to give up a third-round pick for you, they want you. And then to cut you at the end of preseason – You must have been really bad. Now, they did bring him back and then let him go again. But I think maybe Martavius is one of those guys where you have to, he has to figure out how much does he love football. Maybe that's the issue. But when you talk about low risk, high reward, again, vet minimum, bring him in, and I I think he can help a team. I, I think he can help a team win maybe the, the culture has to be different than what was with the Raiders last year with them losing, but I, I can't, you know, very talented. Again, 49ers leading receiver last year had less than 500 yards. So, Martavis Bryant, Des Bryant, and then Eric Berry. Biggest low-risk, high-reward guys. There's some talent there. Little issues here and there, injuries or whatnot, but if you can get them on the field, put them in the right situation, I think they can excel. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage your shipping orders. No matter where you are selling, Amazon, Etsy, even your own website, ShipStation brings you all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation for free. 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card information. All right, so ShipStation works with all major carriers, including UPS, FedEx, even USSP, and Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customers. No wonder ShipStation is number one online seller's choice. You'll ship more and less time with the best rates available. Just visit shipstation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in blue, that's shipstation.com, then enter promo code blue. Shipstation.com, make ship happen. All right, let's talk about some guys that are holding out. Still, Melvin Gordon. All right, listen. So Melvin Gordon is holding out. And obviously, he wants a new contract. I, I don't even think this is, like, his contract year. I think he, like, Zeke has this year and, like, next year maybe. I, I don't think this is, like, contract year for Melvin Gordon. But um, Melvin Gordon, like, you, you you were horrible your rookie year. They drafted you high. You were bad. Uh, averaged like, two point something yards per carry. Um, he, he just wasn't good. And then he starts getting his stuff together a little bit. He's playing well, and, you know, he's doing his thing or whatever. Um, he played well against my Niners last year. He, You know, he can catch the ball at the backfield. He can do some things well. He's still not an elite guy. He's not elite. So, you know, like somebody else I'll talk about here that's holding out, um, Ezekiel Elliott. Melvin Gordon ain't no Zeke Elliott. Okay? So to, to hold out and, you know, for a team that, they, they, they want you there, but last year, Melvin Gordon missed four games, and the Chargers won all four. So I don't think they're in any rush to, you know, take any ultimatums from him. My best advice to Gordon, I don't know who's advising him to hold out. I don't know if it's his agent or what, but get your ass to camp because I think that boat is going to move on with or without you. And they, they got that guy behind them, Eckler. Ecker, quick dude. Um, yeah, I, I don't think they're tripping off Melvin Gordon, so he might want to get his mind right. Now, Ezekiel Elliott, I, I touched on him before. And there, there have been to some new development in this dude's like in like Cancun, Mexico, or something training. Um, you know, with some athletes, and yeah, I guess he's just he's content with ho- this holdout and. I I okay with both these running backs on on one hand I get it I I get the f- part of the running back shelf life is it's not good right they're, they're not playing for a, a long time and they, they the teams they want to use the guys up and once they use you up they just kick you to the curb we actually saw the Cowboys do that with DeMarco Murray and where DeMarco Murray was the league-leading back, and then he went to Philadelphia. He actually got paid by Philly, but he went to Philly, and what? a year later got traded to Tennessee Titans, and a year later, out the league. So I I get it from a sense of, you know, you got to do what's best for you, and you got to get your money while you're in your prime, because the Cowboys are definitely running Ezekiel Elliott into the ground. But! You haven't been, like, just some outstanding citizen, all right? Like Melvin Gordon, there is some baggage that comes, and when I say baggage with Melvin Gordon, he just wasn't good to start off, and he's doing better now, but isn't sustainable. Um, with Zeke, we know he's a hell of a player. Zeke is an, a hell of a player, but he, he, he's in trouble every offseason, and I've already touched on this on, on one pod, but it's just like, you you want to you 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 want to give demands to the Cowboys and you're in trouble every single offseason and now you want a contract 2 years before we really have to pay you. <laughs> good good luck with that. And then now he got his daddy Jerry Jones coming out saying basically, "Hey, yeah, we it was nice having Emma Smith, but we don't need Emma Smith to win a Super Bowl." Now, I do think the Cowboys need Ezekiel Elliott to make a late push because without him, it it seems like Dak just falls to pieces. So there is some give and take here. You know, both sides are being really stubborn. I do think the Cowboys need Ezekiel Elliott right now. But I think, you know, Zeke, they've had your back throughout all this. Jerry Jones got into it with the damn commissioner over you and was ready to kind of try to get him up out of the office have a little bit more loyalty, I guess. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. I think that's what they say. We'll see how that whole thing plays out. All right. So, um, I actually had somebody put these questions together for me, man. It was my guy, Mike from Nothing But Niners. Man, he did a great job with these. But uh, which big-name wide receiver could have a down year? And I only wanted to touch on one guy. And I don't think it should come to any surprise. You I'm saying? Antonio Brown. And this has nothing to do with, well, yeah, it has nothing to do really with Antonio Brown a little bit, and and I'll go into why. But the the reason why I say Antonio Brown is one, this, this dude has played, he's put up some crazy video game numbers throughout his career. Now, where you get drafted and who you have throwing the ball matters, and he was playing in this vertical vertical like pushing offense with Big Ben. And for everything Big Ben is in or whatever, I, I think he's I think he's better than other people think he is. But I will say this. The receivers that play with him, they all excel. And I don't think it's always just the receivers because when they leave, a lot of them don't have the same type of career that they had with him, right? Mike Wallace comes to mind. Um, there's some other guys that come to mind, but uh, Emmanuel Sanders is still balling. But anyways, so they have this vertical push in the offense and... The thing that made Big Ben and A.B. like just so sweet was it didn't matter who was covering A.B., how many people were covering A.B. Like, Big Ben was going to throw it out there and just let A.B. make a play. Like, A.B., you just do you. I'm going to throw it out there as far as I can. And a lot of times, I mean, he really dropped it in like a perfect spot. He, he dropped it in the perfect spot. A lot of times it was really tight coverage because, you know, and when you're when you're 5'10", the, the the passes have to be like pretty on target. You you need an accurate quarterback when you're five ten, right? Well you know catch radius isn't that of a six three guy. So Big Ben would just throw the ball downfield or throw the ball into double coverage, triple coverage, and A B would come down with it. Will Derek Carr give A B the same opportunities to catch the ball downfield that Big Ben did? I I don't I don't think so. Derek Carr doesn't seem to be that type of quarterback. I don't see him just heaving the ball up in double coverage. Hell, I mean, he's already shell-shocked. He doesn't even want to throw the ball. Forty 49ers sacked him nine times last year. The 49ers. 49ers weren't just some big sack master team last season. They sacked Derek Carr nine times, and a lot of it had to do with one. Yeah, the offensive line was kind of bad, but it's shell-shocked. I mean, if you go back, I I might need to post – every Derek Carr interception last year, he threw some terrible interceptions. It started off um, week one against the same Los Angeles Rams. And I mean, I mean, he threw like a pick six to uh, Marcus Peters. It was like, dude, where are you throwing the ball? He threw this other one where I don't know if he was trying to throw the ball away, but he threw the ball to where the only person that was there was a Rams defender. Really, I don't even know why the Rams defender was there. He was really just covering grass. But dude was just standing there, and Derek Carr literally just throws it to him. If I didn't know any better, I, I, I would think that he was shaving points, and maybe Vegas had some kind of over-under on turnovers, and he was had big money on the over, and he was going to achieve that, that, that over. Because if you watch those interceptions, and I, I'll try to post them to the podcast, they were terrible. They were terrible uh, interceptions. So... I think, one, big uh, A.B. is going to get frustrated with Carr. Two, I don't think Carr is going to give A.B. the same opportunities to catch those downfield balls. Just throw it in double coverage, throw it in triple coverage. I I don't care who's covering them. I'm just going to throw it out there. I don't see Derek Carr being that guy. And I don't see that being uh, John Gruden's offense. It's more timing-based, rhythm, like more of a West Coast offense. Dink and dunk. He does a lot of dinking and dunking. Uh, so so when the the good thing is, A B, you know, is is kind of well documented. Nobody works hard in dude. He works extremely hard. So I I think he's gonna be successful. But when, when I talk about having a down year, I don't think he's gonna be that thirteen, fourteen hundred yard receiver that we've been accustomed to seeing. Last year he had fifteen touchdowns. Fifteen. Can't see him doing that with the Raiders. All right, here we go. Next topic. Rising star at defensive back. And this is a kid that he first of all he's he's squashing this whole narrative. Alright. So the narrative has been for years that defensive backs from Alabama can't play in the NFL, they're not good. They're bust. And this is why I hate this narrative. And it has changed over the years. When I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, mention a bunch of guys that came from Alabama secondary that are doing very well in the NFL. But people are like, oh, the wide receivers from USC, they're they're all they're not good in the NFL. Oh, the DBs from this uh, this college, they're not good. Or oh, the quarterbacks from the Big Twelve, they're not. Well, everybody loves uh, uh, the damn uh, Baker Mayfield. You know, it's just, there's just all these stereotypes, and then it's like, yeah, the stereotype is right until somebody proves you wrong. Well, Eddie Jackson, Chicago Bears safety, is definitely proving this narrative wrong. Uh, dude has, what, he had six interceptions last year, ran two back for touchdowns. I, I feel like every time I watch Eddie Jackson, he's running a, a, an interception back for a touchdown. Three touchdowns in two years. Um, dude's outstanding. The thing I love most is that, you know, he just is always around the ball. He has 21 pass defense in two years. 21! Like, that, that's, I'm pretty sure that's more than the entire 49ers secondary last year combined. Now, I'm always going to throw out, like, 49ers, like, stats because that I just know it so well. But 49ers had five total turnovers as a team last season. Five! Now, it was a record, like, worst ever in the NFL history. But... Five. This dude, AJ Jackson, had six interceptions by himself, scored on two of them, 21 passes defense, right? He's a star. He's a star. And there's another star state safety, um, Bayard from uh, Tennessee Titans. Man, these dudes are stars. They're making plays. They're instinctive. And, and I think that's the thing that kind of gets overlooked sometimes when it comes to football, when it comes to um, evaluating talent. Some guys just make plays, right? And teams, like, like they, they want to act surprised when their team isn't making plays. And it's like, well, well who on your team has made plays? Who, who on your team was a playmaker in college? These things translate. You, tr- playmakers is it, not a coincidence. They just have this knack. They just have this certain instinct to where, for whatever reason, they just make plays and, you know, you'll see them get a scoop and score, right? Somebody will force a fumble, and that playmaker person would just be right there to pick the ball up and run in for a touchdown. And it's like, well, somebody else made the play. Well, no, like, playmakers are just always around the ball. I've played with some of them. Where it's just like, damn, this dude's always making plays. How? I think they just naturally have this different type of instinct, and Eddie Jackson is one of them. Bayard is one of them. They just make plays, and Eddie Jackson, man, he's a he's a rising star. Now, what I am interested interested to see is how does Eddie Jackson do without Vic Fangio? Because you know Vic Van, Vic Fangio had been the Bears' defensive coordinator for the past few years, and he just took the head coaching job with the Denver Broncos, and we'll see what he does with that secondary. But uh, you know, it took a while for him to get the Bears right, but they got right and they got this instinctive young safety from Alabama who, they all, all the DBs are bust, uh, making plays. And let's just watch that whole narrative that all the defensive backs uh, out of Alabama are bust. Um, in recent years, you've had Landon Collins, baller. haha. Clinton Dix, he can play. Minka Fitzpatrick, pick six against the Vikings last year. Uh, top pick, play well. Play well. Play pretty good. Martin Humphreys, not talked about enough. Very underrated. Very underrated. And then Drake Patrick, He's come along very well. When you talk about development, maybe he wasn't a guy year one, but he, he can play some football. He's pretty good now. So let's just squash that whole narrative. And please, like, let's squash all narratives that if you because you come from a certain school, you can't play. Because for a while, that was the thing from USC. No, USC receivers are just bust. Well, Juju Smith says otherwise, right? Um, Even Marquise Lee, he's dealt with some injuries, but he's playing a lot better now. Look at Robert Woods. He's a 1,200-yard receiver for the Rams. Maybe guys just need to go to the right spots. Those dudes are balling. So I don't want to hear the USC receivers. Whatever you guys say. Squash all the narratives. Every situation is different. Every guy is different. No more of that, please. That's my rant for that. Now, the last thing I want to talk about are camp fights, right? And I've been involved in a few camp fights my, myself. Okay, you know, one thing I do want to talk about is a lot of people, well, it's just dumb. Why would you punch somebody? They got a helmet on. Really? when when, when I, I don't know if it's a pride or ego thing, but I don't think you care. Like, I, don't, I don't think you care. When you get into that situation, you're just heated, and you just start swinging, and you're angry, whatever the case is. But there were a few um, fights last week when I was at 49er camp. I I saw um, Jalen Hurd getting a couple fights, big 6'5", 230-pound receiver, and the defensive backs got frustrated because they couldn't get off his blocks. Um, The first one was Dante uh, Johnson, and uh, Dante Johnson, like, Hurd was just blocking him, like, 10, 15 yards downfield. Couldn't get heard's arms off him, got upset, swung at herd, and then heard commenced to just beating his ass. All right. Mouthpiece flew. Then herd started throwing body shots. I guess he got smart. Said, you know what, I hit you once in the helmet, and now I'm just gonna throw you to the body, beep, 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 beep. Alright, give him a you know, two piece in the uh chicken. All right. Anyways, uh so that one and then I'd say about ten minutes later, he got another fight where he pancaked uh uh, uh Anton Exum just pancaked them to the ground, XM didn't like it, started swinging, and then you just get a big, you know, everybody trying to break it up. You got the whole team over there, but um, camp fights, I think they're healthy. I want to see you guys competing, and you know? I want to see you get compete to the point where, hey, maybe I do get upset. Maybe I do swing a little bit. At the end of the day, man, we're all brothers, right? Um, Me and my brother, I couldn't tell you how many times we got in a fight growing up. I still love him, though, all right? So, you know, I think sometimes it's healthy. The guy, At least we know... Hey, these guys are competing. Now, this fight that happened today that was reported it was a little different. This was two guys that played the same position throwing blows. And from the report I saw, they were haymakers. All right. So you had uh, uh, Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders. There's a big height difference <laughs> there. So Emmanuel Sanders, he must really be with it because Certain like what six three six four two twenty and Emmanuel Sanders five ten a buck eighty. There's a huge difference there, size difference. But they start fighting each other. They start throwing haymakers, like really hitting each other. I think that's something. I don't think that's something that just happened now. A lot of times when there's an issue like like something like that, especially if you play the same position, I don't think these guys like each other. <laughs> and that's probably going back to last year. I I I would like to get a little insight. I'm gonna hit up Footwork King. I'm cool with Footwork King. I know he works with Emmanuel Sanders, and he probably hit up um, Emmanuel to kind of get the download. I'm trying to get the download scoop for you guys and figure out what the hell happened there. But I, if I had to guess, I'd say I don't think they like each other, and I think that goes back to last year, Cortland Suns' rookie year, and something probably happened, and it just kind of boiled over, boiled over, boiled, and now it's just boom, they explode and. They're throwing haymakers. It's a very unique situation there. But anyways, uh, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Press Coverage Podcast. Again, make sure you guys subscribe, rate, review. Um, Tap in. Listen next week right here on Press Coverage Podcast.